Good evening and a very, very warm welcome to you wherever you may be. Thank you for joining us on episode 67 of the Football Out West show. We are back. Indeed, we are back. And it is an absolute pleasure to be back in the uh, in the uh, presenter's chair. And it is going to be, I tell you what, an awesome show tonight. So cannot wait for it. And, um, well, it's such a big show that, as is always the case, I can't do it all on my lonesome. I'm going to have to have some friends with me tonight. And the first of those is none other than the man, the legend, the one they call Mr. Craig Filer. Um, Craig, well, he joins me on the show tonight. Craig, how are you? Good evening, Tonch. Good evening, listeners. Hope everybody's well. I'm, I'm well, mate. How are you? It's oh, been all, look, all well, things we do, uh, we've done this show. So, um, yeah, how, has you? Been well. how are you? Yeah, look, it's been an up and down kind of a thing like for everyone else as well, personal issues as well as, um, you know, uh, global wider issues, let's call it that. But the worst thing is, obviously, the football is is on pause. It has been hit on pause. But we're not. We're coming back bigger and better, Craig. Uh, we've got a massive show lined up and we've got an even bigger show lined up next week. Wait till um, viewers, you listen, you hear what we've got planned for you guys tonight. Um, but but um, in the meantime, Craig, We've got a third member of the uh, the pack who's going to join us as well. Um, Steve Curtin, he he joins us as well, and he's joining. Oh, there he is, Steve. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks, mate. Well, you said you can't do it all yourself, but you do do a pretty damn good job. Um, as do yourself uh, as well, Craig. But uh, yeah, thanks for having us, guys. And hello to everyone tuning in, all the Football Out West community. Look forward to seeing you getting active in the comments tonight, and we'll do our best to give you all a shout out. And it's good to be back doing the show together for um, everyone who tunes in at home. Thank you for doing so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a, you can hear a bit of an echo there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Craig, mate, um, it's, it's it's been a tough year. It really has, and it just seems to be getting tougher and tougher. But, um, for, you know, there's a lot of excitement um, building up with, um, oh, well, if not over here, but at least in Europe. Um, let's talk about that very, very quickly because um, overnight, we, we, and we'll talk about some of the uh, news that's happened recently, but but let's let's already jump the gun, and next week, We've got something big planned, haven't we? Yeah, look, the European um, has kicked off certainly this weekend with uh, the uh, the uh, EFL kicking off uh, mm -hmm. and the uh, Charity Shield, which we'll we'll chat on later on. But yeah, Tonch, we're going to have a bit of a European roundup next week. We're going to try and uh, get a few people from around Europe. Uh, certainly got uh, um, someone from Italy who's going to talk to us about yes. Serie A. And there's a lot going on in Serie A at the moment, so for our Italian yeah. listeners and our uh, our supporters of Italian football, make sure you tune in next week. Uh, and we're looking to get a couple of uh, big names in from uh, from the UK as well to uh, to give us a bit of a lowdown on on what's going on in and around the UK. Yeah, that is, but in the meantime, Steve, tonight a very, very special Caroline Springs George Cross episode, mate. Who's going to be appearing on tonight's show? Yeah, well, we've got, um, I guess, a regular appearer on the show. Mark Sultana, the president of Caroline Springs, George Cross will be joining us, as well as Sasha Pete, who coaches not one, but two junior teams there at the club, a community team and an NPL junior team. And not only that, ex-Socceroo Ivan Franic will be joining us, who's recently joined the club after his uh, A-League time wrapped up up there at the uh, MacArthur side. So he's uh, come down, he's debuted for the club, and he's going to debut on the show soon. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting, isn't it, folks? Um, I mean, he's, I think he's 34 years of age. He's played um, in the A-League for, for a few clubs. But now he's still, I mean, you'd think, Craig, you're a coach. You'd think of 34 years, a player with that pedigree, a player with um, that experience. 
coming um, uh, to George Cross at State League One level, he would have a lot to offer the club, a lot to offer the younger players in particular. And he's hooking up with his brother, Joey Franich, as well. Yeah, and I think that was the last bit there was probably a little bit of a draw for him before he yeah. finishes up playing football. Um, you know, you can't go on forever. And I, uh, from from all accounts, he's, and I have had the pleasure of uh, coaching against him uh, a few years ago, but uh, by all accounts, he's a very, uh, very nice, uh, personable uh, guy. And I think, um, you know, for George Cross, is a fantastic signing. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a great thing. We'll be talking to um, um, Ivan a little bit later on, as well as Sasha, Sasha Peter. I've got to get that right. He's an interesting fella, Steve. Now, um, me and you were talking about this stuff. Yeah, Sasha has got his own YouTube channel, and he tells us, and we'll talk a little bit more about that with him, uh, it was a lockdown project last year where he started to get in contact with a lot of the old Socceroos and NSL superstars, and, um, and he's basically got a whole heap of interviews that he's recorded and um um that 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 for me is is quite an interesting thing as well apart from the fact that he's a he's a coach of two teams two teams of georgies yeah um well it's funny how it happens when i know i actually coached um at the same time i coached the under 18s and the under 11s back when i was in my early 20s and it was one of those situations where you end up coaching one team and then the other team finds itself without a coach at the last minute <laughs> might be your brother's team for instance then you end up doing uh doing both but uh yeah he's doing a good job because he's coaching uh two of his uh boys in the uh under 14s there so yeah there you go very well-rounded footballing uh, family there for uh, sasha but um no his youtube channel is um got a bit of a cult following um yeah. around 300 subscribers and a lot of views for his channel with um for his videos with um some really big names looking here john cosmina steve yosafides paul wade avasad a lot of big names that he's spoken to in recent times so um there's a lot of good content over there yeah, no, that should be really, really fun, guys. Um, I'll let you guys step away for a second whilst we organise ourselves for the news desk. Folks, that is coming up very, very shortly. Don't go away. It's going to be an action-packed um, show tonight and also, obviously, um, heaps and heaps of, of, of George Cross material, but also lots of news coming up. So do not go away. You're tuning in to the Football Outwear Show. It is episode 60, 67 and it is proudly brought to you by our 2021 major sponsor, the Caroline Springs George Cross Football Club. Back right. we are. Uh, gents, well, let's start off with um, Craig. Some big news with regards onto the um, with regards to our other sponsor, one of our episode sponsors, Macron. They've signed something big with the uh, Melbourne Victory Club. Is that right? Yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, Five-year deal, Tonch, with uh, with Macron for uh, Melbourne Victory to uh, to wear the um, the Macron badge for the next five years. That's a fantastic, uh, fantastic signing for for Giacomo and 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 obviously Macron. And um, yeah, it shows. I suppose it shows their intent of uh, re-establishing themselves in uh, in Australia. Yeah, that is a brilliant um, – um, oh, it's a big thing, isn't it? Um, Five-year deal, so they're obviously going for um, a, a major major scalp, if you like, um, in the A-League. They also sponsor um, – is it Port Adelaide, I think, in the um, in Correct. the AFL? Steve, yeah, yeah you'd, you'd know. Yeah. Um, so, and, and they are, I think, after – And MacArthur in the A-League. And MacArthur in the, in the yeah. A-League. And, um, Craig, I'm pretty sure that after Nike and Adidas, they're like the three – 
third biggest um, apparel provider in Europe or something they're huge, like that. They're huge in Europe, yeah. They have um, they have um, stores, um, as we call them, so a little bit like what um, uh, uh, Macron Victoria, they have them dotted around all around the UK. They're, yeah, they're very, uh, very big in Europe. Yeah. Now, um, we've also got a special promotion for viewers and listeners of the Football Outwear show. Um, a very good promotion. I think it's 20% discount at the moment. Craig, um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, nice and simple, guys. Anybody that uh, wants to purchase any Macron gear, as long as it's not the licensed product, which is effectively your uh, your uh, professional football kit. So anybody, Zagreb, you know, whoever's got a Macron kit, unfortunately, that's not available to you on the on the discount. But any other product within the range of Macron, you uh, when you go through the uh, the store and you input the FOW as the code at the end, you get a twenty percent discount on the standard pricing on the catalog. Brilliant. There you go. Good stuff. And uh, Michael Long also reminds us that Perth Glory have the Macron kit too. And I'm looking forward to seeing Santino going up and down Paco in the new Victory Macron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. via, via the gym, via the via, via via cafe. With, uh, with his mate, Joel Selwood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to Santino Mamone from down Geelong Way. He's one of our regular, regular um, viewers, as is Michael Long and, and so many other people. Peter Couchy there as well. Vladimir Zetovic. Um, Oscar Chorsich, who knows you, Craig, very well. Um, Maxi Santich, how can we forget him? So it's great to see those folks all very active in our co comment section already. And we'd love to hear from everyone, whether you're from the George Cross family or whether you're from the wider football family. The, the numbers of viewers are absolutely fantastic. And now that we're talking about the uh, Western suburbs, Steve. Um, just on that, Tonch, if anybody has a question to uh, to put to uh, to our guests tonight, just text uh, the number on the screen, 0497-151234, and we'll collate them and we'll um, hopefully get your questions answered by our panel tonight. Yeah. Now, uh, Western United, Steve, there's been a lot of signings. There's been a lot of departures as well. Um, the fellow on the screen, Reese Bozanowski, he's put pen to paper on a scholarship contract. Now, me and you had the pleasure of seeing this guy in action against the um, – Geelong Soccer Club, where the um, Western United MPL3 side was um, playing just recently. And, geez, did he score a wonder goal? Probably, oh, I'll tell you what, he scored two goals that night, but he, one of them was like goal of the season contender. Very exciting young prong prospect, hey? Yeah, well, even his first goal in that game was excellent. I know um, Ante Jukic was up there doing some filming for Western United for uh, Ante Moritz, the coach, and the uh, squad there. And um, uh, I know um, we got to hear your... Dulcet Tones calling the goal, but uh, Ante and I were off the back there both cheering his first goal as well because was it was brilliant. a real work of art the way he made a lot of touches in very uh, tight spaces and then finished on his uh, left on a tight angle in that first goal. And then the second goal, of course, on his right was from it was from over 30 yards to win the game in the 89th or 90th oh, minute. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, so certainly from our experience of watching Reese, um, well worthy of that uh senior um scholarship role with the with the a-league squad that he gets for two years only 17 years of age can play in that number 10 number eight role and um from what we've seen at least in that uh he's got a lot to offer and i believe he actually um was at georgie's when he was a youngster as well before going to melbourne city's academy and then of course now at western so uh yeah the chances will come and we've seen in the last couple of uh, or last season at least the a-league players um well a-league squads were giving younger players a chance finally last season and hopefully that continues this year and reese will get a chance to uh study stuff at the a-league level 
Now, Craig, um, he joins Adisu Bayou and Ajak Du, who have also got scholarship contracts. Um, another youngster, another teenager that signed is a returnee from Europe, Noah Botic, who was part of the Australian under-17s team. Um, I think he's also moved into the um, under uh, the, the young Socceroos or whatever they're called, yeah. Um, good move or bad move? Um, <laughs> 19, coming back from Europe, um, oh, is this a step in the wrong direction or a step in the right direction? Look, there'll be a few listeners out here. Michael Long, in particular, will probably uh, lambast me for for saying it. But, um, um, look, every it's why football's like it is, guys, because everybody's got an opinion and nobody's nobody's really right. Um, but I personally, look, fair, good luck to the lad. Um, but I feel that it's probably a wrong move for him at 19 years old, regardless uh. of whether he's been playing senior football uh, for Hoffenheim or not, or whether he's playing in the academy. My feelings are that you know, if you're good enough. Um, and you tout your round yourself as being good enough, and the the feedback and the rumours and the reports that I've read are that he's a very, very good football player and a massive prospect for Australia. Why don't you pick yourself against or put pick yourself against the best? Whether that's in state, uh, you know, um, League Two in the UK or second division in in France or you know third division in Italy. It's got to be better than coming back and playing in, in in Australian football, which for me is probably not where I would want to be playing as a 19-year-old boy. That's mm. look, that's my opinion. Um, I get it. Uh, Michael Long's just popped up. Yeah, but Aramoy came back. And, um, you know, it's, it, there, there are going to be those ones that do come back, make it and go off and do it again. We've just seen Dennis Genre, uh, Denny Genre just join uh, Toulouse after a fantastic... Um, um, uh, Ollie Ruse, but look, good luck to him. Um, I'd like to see him be playing on a regular basis. I, th- I suppose that's going to be the key, isn't it? If he's playing on a regular yeah. basis, yeah, around and say, well, it's the right move for him. He's getting game time. Yeah. Uh, he's playing regular football. And if a move comes off the back of that, then then happy days. But I, I, I just think we find it too easy for uh, Australians find it too easy as a as a safety net to come back to Australia. We look at uh, another player that's just come back, uh, George Blackwood, my favourite player. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to mention him. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's come back. Now he found it too hard to play in League Two. Yeah. So you know he's come back because it's a safety net. You know he he knows he's guaranteed game time here, and for me that's wrong. But that's just my opinion. Um, I'd like to hear from uh, from the listeners who've uh, and and you two guys as to what your thoughts are on that. Steve, what's your opinion? Oh, look, I think that's a good point that Craig makes as well. And I think that I guess the landscape has changed so much in the NSL days. Coming back home wasn't an option because coming back home meant you had to go and um, work a full time job and train in the evenings and stuff. But mm-hmm. now that safety net is there with the A League full time football and what have you and. Um, I guess it comes down to for Noah's opportunity to play first team football. And if he felt like he wasn't going to achieve that there and he thinks that he will here, I understand the move. Um, but yeah, otherwise totally um, on board with what Craig has to say as well. Look, it could be a, it could be a lifestyle thing. I know he's a Sydney boy, so he's come down here um, via uh, via Germany. I was going to say West Germany. Where am I living in the past? Um, <laughs> what, year <is> it? <laughs> what year is it? Someone actually, someone at the start of the thing in the comments said, "What day is it?" Oh, we're going to ask, "What year is it?" Yeah. Look, it could be that, but look, I think I'm genuinely excited about the signing of him. I'm genuinely excited about the signing of the Reese. Bozanovsky, but I'm definitely not excited by the signing of Nikolai Topper Stanley, who's played 344 A-League games across 13 seasons. 
I mean, seriously, like the the merry-go-round just continues. Jamie Young, a 35-year-old goalkeeper from Brisbane Raw. Okay, he's a, I rate him. I actually rate uh, Jamie Young. I think he's a very, very good keeper, and he's been at Raw for seven years. But Ben Garuccio, ex-Adelaide United, Melbourne City defender, now he's coming down. Dylan Wenzel-Halls also. All right, he's another good prospect. He's come from Brisbane Raw, but seriously... Is it is it that bad that we've got no talent in the um, Michael Long? You shush. Top of Stanley's a rock though. He's, he's a rock. He's about to disintegrate. Come on, he's he's, he's replacing Durante. He, he he comes from the Rock Age. Bloody, I mean, he's from the Flintstone Age. No, seriously, guys, what? Craig, I think um, I, know, I know I'm going to have an ally with you, Tonchi. If we could play the devil's advocate here, because you make yes. a good point. All I can say is that. The club's lost a lot of experiences with the like of Durante, with the likes of yeah, Derishan. I can point. see um, Craig looks like he's nodding as well. I think they need to top their squad with a bit of experience, and there's not a lot available. It's not a lot. It's not a big market in Australia, and you've got this guy who's available. He's got a lot of experience. He's actually well respected up there. He is very old. An yep. ideal circumstance, though, would be <laughs> very old. He's very old. I mean, he's younger than me, but he's he's um he, an ideal set of circumstances would be that they are able to field a starting level of younger players and he yeah. would just be back up um, that's best case scenario yeah. but if they need that um experienced defender in in their central defensive combination well they've got that option there to use him craig now uh, i know craig. why we get this guy on because he's he's the voice of reason steve curtain well done very very good uh, look i had to you, play you, the counterbalance to your extreme you, extremely strong <laughs> argument <aren't you? laughs> no, I, think look, I actually agree with him as well i think you know he uh, look we'd all like to see the youngsters given a go uh, but given the fact that as you said the players that have left no it's not just um um, Uzcock's gone as well, hasn't he? So that's the he, other one. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. he's he's gone. So he's a centre back stroke midfield, midfield. So there's there's a few players that gone there, and like you said, if he's available, then why not? Um, but again, it just it just shows the what the merry-go-round of the A League is. That doesn't matter how old you are or how many clubs you have. There's yeah. always a club that'll take you. And um, um, Jamie Young, look, I, I, again, I think that's not a bad move, if I'm honest. I think Jamie Young is apparently very well respected. He, he's obviously worked under John Aloisi previously. Mm-hmm. Um, what will be interesting with the goalkeeper situation is um, what's going to happen to Scott? Who's going to become the number one? Because Scott did mm. a fantastic job last season. Yeah, I hope Scotty can take his spot, mate. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, look, I'd like. I'm the same. I think I yeah, did a fantastic job when he came in last last year. Um, in fact, he he kept Kurto out of the squad, didn't he, for for, yeah. for, for half the season? Yeah. You've got another young lad that's in the MPL, so, uh, um, uh, in the MPL with Charlie Emery, yeah. who's a fantastic prospect. Um, you know, very big, very well respected up there by the coaching staff. But I think Jamie Young will come in as a bit of a. I think he will be trying to get that link between all the players, a little bit of maybe joking around, maybe a bit of seniority within within that group because yeah. what seems to have happened over the last you know, six months of the season was there was a lot of animosity and a lot of infighting within the club. So maybe, you know, John's bringing these players in that he knows, that he knows that he can get the best out and they can perhaps help the younger players around them. So mm-hmm. um, I suppose we have, to give, we have to give the club the benefit of the doubt. Oh, we do, we do, absolutely. About as as <laughs> as Maxi Santich says, retirement league now the recycled league. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, Definitely. look. Speaking of um, Craig, speaking of um, transfers, 
or speaking of um, um, justifiable transfers, let's go over to the old dart and um, Jack Grealish. Okay, thoughts. Is this guy worth 100 million pounds? And tell us a bit more about this. Yeah, look, is he worth one? You're only as you're only worth what a club will pay for you. That's the reality of, of football nowadays. Yeah, and it's an old adage. But if somebody's willing to pay a hundred million dollars for you, then you'll take it. I remember 1980. Trevor Francis was a million pound and one penny. Um, you know that was back in 1981. Now we're talking a hundred million dollars for a player. Do I think he's worth it, Tonch? No, <laughs> no, I don't. He's a very good player, but what's he done? He's been yeah. at Aston Villa since he was eight years old. Uh, he's played for Aston Villa all his life. He couldn't get into the England Euro squad on a regular ba- on a regular basis. He was coming off for a cameo appearance. Even got taken off in one game, having coming come on. And when we're talking about you know value for money, you've got an, a, a situation where you know potentially Spurs are looking 120 million for Harry Kane. Mm. Um, or you take this lad as a as a as a hundred million. Now he's a lot younger, granted. Um, but is he worth a hundred million dollars? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm. I think it's a everybody that I think every player that Manchester City look at, their price will be inflated on any player because they know that they're only making inquiry because they're actually serious about it. They wouldn't make an inquiry mm. for, for for no reason. Um and and I have to say, you know, they're not a club that panic. They're not a club that when, you know, Aguero finished um, or retired or moved on to Barcelona that all of a sudden I've got to go out and get somebody. If they wanted somebody, they would have signed Harry Kane by now. Yeah. Look, six years, he's an English international. Um, Steve, obviously he's there as an investment, um, you know, signing someone on for for that long a period. Um, They're obviously looking to make some sort of a a profit out of him eventually. Um, is he a long-term prospect or is he going to provide the club with a little bit of a short-term benefit? Oh, you'd think they're looking at him uh, long-term. He's still at, at an age where he can improve his game and under Guardiola, he should be able to do that. But the key thing will be, will he get the game time to see mm. an improvement in his game um, overall? And that's the big question with their wealth of attacking opportunities they have. Obviously, gives himself the chance to play Champions League football. So, um that's obviously a, a big carrot as well for him and uh an opportunity to take his game to the next level and really that's their that's their desire isn't it that champions yeah. league title that they can't they can't get and that's what comes back to the, the reason for this signing i would uh, i would say as well and but um i think i agree with craig as you said um the only willing only worth what they're willing to pay and they're paying top dollar because he's an English player and he's proven in the Premier League. And when you've got those attributes, you're going to pay through the nose for it. Like it will be the case if Kane is transferred as well to another English club. And uh, as we're seeing on the screen now, a bit of good news this morning, Leicester City getting the win over uh, Manchester City. I'm a a bit biased here, so I won't comment on that one too much. Steve, just before you go on to that, can I just go back to the Jack Grealish thing? The big problem that UK footballers have, and English footballers in particular, is their their overflated pricing. If you go to Europe, the prices are not. Um, and that's yeah. the big issue that, you know, um, that's why there's a lot of um, European footballers coming into the UK, um, you know, because of their their street value is a lot less than than, a, than if you look at um, the lad that Bersi um, just signed for. Uh, he was at Brighton, played, uh, um, oh, he was at Newport County a few years ago, just two seasons ago. Uh, oh, Ben, somebody will come on me. Ben, he's just signed for... 
Spurs is he all right? You're talking about um, Ben White. He's just signed for ben White. ninety million dollars. He hasn't even played an international game, mm. but he's yeah. but he's gone for ninety million. So I think it's a classic a big, case of what you're saying. There's a yeah. big issue in the UK of overinflated prices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. crack on me. All right, so there's as you say, there's that value there, and the clubs that are smart, they use the statistics. They sign players from France and uh, Belgium and other places in the world, and they can pick up players. And yes, it can be hit and miss because they're not proven at that level. But um, if if you can, you know, get as many strikes as you do wins. Um, if you're a selling club as well, you can then move them on for a huge price because then they are proven in the EPL. So that's it. Um, I think we were going to move on now to the. Charity yeah. Shield that was played overnight, or the Community Shield, as it's known these days. Um, I think so, some people consider this as a bit of a kissing your sister cup these days sort of thing, yeah. but um, good to see Leicester get the win over uh, Manchester City with uh, Kelechi and Acho scoring a uh, 89th-minute penalty. Kissing your sister cup? That, never heard that one. Before. I think that's something the Fort Diego's used to use a lot. They, they used to call the, um, right? yeah. <laughs> well, the old UEFA Cup that, I think. Yeah, well, well, there's the headlines there. Leicester City win Community Shield to dampen Grealish's Manchester City debut. Jack Grealish did um, um, come off, off the bench. He started on the bench. And it was Kalechi Nacho. Did I say that right? In Ihanacho, the 18, yeah. Yep. Scored a late penalty in the 89th minute against his old club. And um, Leicester City had defeated Manchester City there in the Community Shield curtain raiser. Did you watch this? That, what a great story that is for that for that What they've gone through in the last few years, you know, they yeah. won the Premier League. The owner died obviously in that helicopter crash just outside the ground, and you know, um, <laughs> a bit of a stat. I think last season they were in, they were in the top four of the league for fourth. I, I might be wrong. But it's, I think it's something like 40 weeks of the season they're in the top four and finish mm. fifth. Yeah, and the previous season too. They've been incredibly unlucky to miss out on mm. the uh, Champions League last two seasons in a row. But uh, yeah, they have to try and hang on to their players when they're just on the edge of making the Champions League. There's a lot of interest in Yuri Tielemans, obviously, and uh, they're hanging on. But they had a shocking injury. I don't know if you saw this to Wesley Fofana, who's yeah, been one of those sort of players, one of those stars that they plucked out of St. Etienne. Um, for you know, for a bargain price, um, for his ability, and he had a shocking incident in a uh, in friendly against Villarreal during the week. So they got a couple of issues at central defence now. As Johnny Evans is also injured, but we will see how they go when the EPL kicks off, and it kicks off next weekend. Yeah, um, we're going to have a massive morning our time. Yeah, it does. So we're going to have a massive European show next week, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure to tune into uh, episode sixty-eight, which will be devoted lockdown or no lockdown, extension no extension. We're going to go. The show goes on, and next week we'll be. Talking talking about um, European football. So that I cannot wait for that. That's going to be absolutely awesome. Um, sticking with the EPL, Craig, some other big um, big name uh, um, signings or recruits are being talked about, and I think some have even been um, locked in. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, well, the Romelu Lukaku. Uh, yes. That's been going on for, for some time now. Um, and it looks as though Chelsea are uh, are in prime position uh, and, a, and, a, and have agreed uh, a fee of ninety seven point five million deal with Inter Milan for the ex Chelsea striker. So uh, he was obviously with them uh, back in uh, two thousand eleven. I think he yeah. left, mm-hmm. um, went off to uh, a few clubs, Everton, and uh, uh, ended up obviously in Inter Milan. But um, he's uh, he's going. Looks as if he's going back to uh, to join the um, the Chelsea. Um, drive at, uh, at Stamford Bridge. And now just put translating that into our context into Australian dollars, it's about 175 million Australian dollars. Goodness me. 
Oh, we what talked about talk earlier on about Grealish. That's still less than Grealish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you were, if you were, if Grealish you were, is about one hundred and eighty-eight. Well, if you had a hundred million tonch to spend on a player now, yeah, would you, would you pick Romelu Lukaku? Nah, George Blackwood. George Blackwood. Yeah. George Blackwood, <laughs> then Grealish. No, then Lukaku, then Grealish. Yeah, that, yeah. in that order. Not in there? Uh, no, no, Lukaku. Yeah. You wouldn't put Matt Simon ahead of... Uh, no. <laughs> well, he's close, but just because of his age, we'll, we'll yeah. rank him down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's he's, he's, he's um, older than Nikolai Topo Stanley, is he? No, he's not. <laughs> that, um, that would have been um, a good laugh tonight, folks. That uh, sign in there, obviously, is it looks like a done deal, and I would imagine, and we'll find out next week probably more so on our, from our uh, Italian correspondent uh, that the move from um, uh, I think they had another player. I think his name was uh, Martinez. Proposed. I think he was looking to go to Arsenal, um, but I, I would imagine now that they're not going to get rid of uh, Martinez and uh, Romelu Lukaku from uh, from the uh, front line of, of Milan into Milan. Yeah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is a George Cross-themed show tonight. We've got heaps to get through. And um, we've got in the green room, we've got a star-studded lineup. Mark Sultana, the president, ex-Socceroo, and new signing Ivan Franic. He'll be joining us a little later on as well, as well as the um, under-14s community and under-17s under NPL coach, who also moonlights as a little bit of a celebrity um, interviewer um, with the old NSL days, um, Sasha Pete. He'll be joining us a bit later on. Mate, we've got an awesome, awesome lineup. So do not go away, folks. Um, gents, very, very quickly, let's talk about the Matildas. This is probably the last thing we'll talk about. We're just running out of time. Um, they've done, they did extremely well once again, outperformed the, uh, their male counterparts at the um, recent Olympic Games. Steve, they seem to improve as, as the tournament progressed. Their second um, uh, rendezvous with Sweden was a lot, lot better performance than their first. Um, Gustafsson, is he doing a good job, is he? Yeah, well, we went into the tournament pretty nervous after they'd had a lot of heavy defeats leading into it. But uh, they got their confidence up with that first game mm. against New Zealand. They performed pretty well, particularly in that first half. They probably could have killed it off and boosted their goal difference a bit. But they got the job done to get through the group. And uh, look, they've got a pretty good team on paper, particularly the front three, I think, is world class. they got a couple of issues. Central defense, as we saw, is a bit of an issue in that mm. final uh, bronze medal game against the States. And maybe they just need a good number six defensive midfield type as well to unearth and um, they should have all the pieces of the puzzle. Ali Carpenter was a star in this tournament uh, for me, as was um, Sam Kerr under a lot of pressure. She delivered with goals. Kaya Simon, who missed out on the World Cup a couple of years ago, was uh, excellent. And we've got a pretty good one in um, Mary Fowler as well, who can come on and play so direct. So what are good signs there? Um, yeah, Craig. Just on the, yeah, just on the Kia Simons uh, thing. She's just uh, off the back of uh, performances. Yes. She's just uh, uh, just wanted a, a move to Tottenham Hotspur. So mm. she's, uh, she's now moved with a multi, uh, multi-year contract for uh, for Tottenham. So that's a fantastic move. Look, I thought I thought Matildas did very well. Wasn't it great to see if if, if the numbers are, are, are what they said there was to see, you know, 1.8 million yeah. people watching, yeah. watching the Matildas. I think that's that shows, you know, that the... the, the that the female football game is certainly on the up. Um, now, I suppose the big question for everybody, guys, is you know what's going to happen between now and 2023? Well, I'll tell you what they should ha do. Immediately, the W League season needs to be expanded to a full home and away because these girls need to be playing a lot more games. Like, simply put, they need to be playing a lot more games. And at the moment, I think um, what you know, 
disregard the costs involved, whether it's government funding, because they're throwing money at, at left, right and centre at the moment. We've got, what, a year and a half to really make a go of it. Um, those those Matildas that aren't playing overseas in Europe at the moment, um, um, they they need to be playing as many games as possible. And it's kind of reminiscent a little bit, Steve, of, of the old, maybe the 80s, 90s Socceroos. Um, you know, the NSL... You know, it had a cult following, but it wasn't a mainstream. So it didn't have that mainstream yeah, popularity. You know, yeah. it didn't. It didn't have the um, the the massive viewing numbers, etc. Right. And look, the, the W League is the same, and it probably will not for another 20, 30 years get any form of um, you know, massive attendances and 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 big sponsorship and this and that. But when the Socceroos played, they always used to get big numbers. You know, 40,000 at the old Sydney Football Stadium in 1988 against Israel in the World Cup qualifier. 30,000 yeah, at the old yep. um, 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 Olympic Park down in 1985 against Scotland. These are just names that come come to mind. The Matildas are almost in exactly the same position. They're relying on a lot of um, players in, in Europe and in, in the US. Um, but, but, you know, here domestically, they don't even get a chance to play a full season. What that that's what I think should happen. What about you? Yeah. What do you think needs yeah, to look, be done? If we're investing into it into hosting the World Cup in just two uh -huh. years' time, we need to be investing into giving a proper domestic league a chance. So even if it is like you say, even if it is an expensive pursuit, like cost shouldn't be an issue. It should be based on giving these next crop of players the best chance to play um, a six month long season at least and have the opportunity to. Um, and then we can, you know, find those players that we're just missing at the moment. It's a couple of players we need to miss because we can't have the players that are playing here getting left behind by the continual improvement of those European leagues that weren't a big thing going back only four or five years, but they are now. Yeah, Craig. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll give you the last word. Um, are we too reliant on Sam Kerr as 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 far as the Matildas is concerned? She is an absolute world class player, but you know it's like when she's on fire, the Matildas are on fire. When she's not on fire, we're not on fire. Is is are we relying too much on Sam Kerr? And who is the heir apparent to Sam? If there is one, simple answer to that, to Tonch is very and it is very simple. That's why strikers are worth 100 million plus mm -hmm. so um in the men's game um they're the ones that score the goals they're the ones that put you know um put put clubs and uh, and and countries um on the map um is the pressure too much for her no she seems a very very down uh, down um level-headed person you know i don't yep. hear she was really upset on the other night that that, that, that they lost she was getting quite angry at, at, at times on the pitch because because of that um but look that's the job of the coaches. That's the job of uh, Football Australia now to try and find who that next Sam Kerr because she's 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 one game away from a life uh, life uh, end uh, career engine in injury. Um, then we got to think of who's going to come through. Mm -hmm. It's now that the Football Federation have to put some some onus on the coaches to say right who's that and who's the next Sam Kerr coming through the system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, gents, um, let's we're going to take a little bit of a break and when we return. Folks, it's all about Caroline Springs, George Cross, um, and um, we will be having a um, well. It's 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 three of the best guests that we could possibly get of an all star cast heading your way. So stay with us. Go grab a quick drink if you need to. Quick toilet stop, but make sure you're back within seconds because we've got the president of all presidents, Mark Sultana, joining us straight after this break. Looking for a venue for your next event? 
Our function room at George's on Vista is the perfect place for your next special celebration. That special birthday or anniversary, a baptism, communion or confirmation, whatever the celebration, we can provide a fun and enjoyable atmosphere with great food. Why not hold your next corporate event in our function room? We can seat up to 100 people and can provide you with a professional environment. Whether you're looking to hold a stand-up or sit-down event, we can cater to your needs. We have meal plans and platters for you to choose from. For more information, send an email to info at georgiesonvista.com.au. There's no better place out west to hold your next function than at Georgie's on Vista. 46 City Function Court, Fraser Rise, Plumpton. That is one rocking introduction to our very next guest. And what a pleasure it is to have Mark Sultana, the president of the Caroline Springs, George Cross, joining us here on the Football Out West Show. Mark, absolute pleasure to have you on board, as is always the case. Oh, 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 oh. I'll put your microphone on. It's uh, a schoolboy error. It's, a, it's, you're back on. You're back on. How are you, Mark? Yeah, great to be on during another <laughs> lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> was it Looking the last forward time to we... it all day. Was well, it the last time we had a George Cross theme show was a lockdown as well? Damn we it. only speak during lockdowns. We're just busy <laughs> otherwise. That's either you or us. Yeah. Mark. Yeah, how are you all? We are as well oh, as thanks. can be expected, I suppose. But um, most important thing is is that the, the George Cross family tuning in tonight, as well as the wider football community, they're gonna get there, they're gonna get their money's worth tonight, they're gonna get entertained. And um, mate, the year's flown. It's August already. How who, who can believe that? How has the year gone, you know, in your eyes? <clears throat> oh, look, we're sitting on top of the ladder. Um we Try and do the best we can to give all of our uh, supporters a chance to see our games. Um, yeah. We're trying very hard, put it that way. But uh, obviously, they're really crap times. But anyway, it's great to see all the George Cross community uh, dial in tonight. And I think it's just testament again to what we try and do with the Georgies, mate. Yeah, one of the hot everyone... Yeah, one of the hot spots has been Caroline Springs. The, the Georgies on Vista isn't yet a, uh, uh, what do they call it, exposure site? No? No, we're surrounded by COVID at the moment. It's um, funny. Everyone wants to be around Georgie. So, there you um, go. <laughs> just, Even COVID, yeah. eh? Even oh, COVID, we, won't mate, so. we won't let the bugger in. We won't let the bugger in. Craig, what, what, what question have you got for our... Actually, Jeffrey, just let Steve know because I've just uh, got a text message coming through from somebody here to, for, as a question for Mark. So, oh, okay, with me a second, Steve. All right, I'll jump you? in then. I'll jump in. Um, uh, Mark, I think it's all the good food on those promotional videos. It's got people just lining up at the doors at the moment from um, down at that little ornamental lake there at the middle of Clifton, uh, Caroline Springs, all the way to uh, Georgie's. But um, I guess the elephant in the room at the moment is uh, what is there eight games to go in the Correct. season? Um, you're sitting on top of the ladder. Um, there's Correct. not a lot of time left. How, how are you feeling about the prospect of the season getting finished and that promotion um, happening now? George Cross can host all the games that need to be cat caught up. With. <laughs> um, we're, we're happy to we're happy yeah. to util, yeah. utilize our facility, and I think 
if every club is as serious as what we are in terms of trying to get promoted and give their club something to celebrate after the year we've had, I think um, as a group of clubs, we should all get together and make sure we can actually execute the, the remainder of the season. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it, look, it's challenging, but, you know, again, I think, like I said, the football community will understand how important it is to um, complete the season. And I think from a junior's point of view, they try and do that as well. And then mm -hmm. I think from the mini roos and all the other um, participants at all of our clubs, uh, I think if they seem to shorten that season at all, we should all get together and try and hold a number of gala days so that we can give our kids again, yeah. you know, yep. the feeling of success. So, um, but look, it's, it's, it's hard, Steve. I mean, the Olympics has been good to watch. It sort of inspires us all again mm. as athletes. Uh, well, our dreamed athletes in terms of, you know, everyone wants to play in the Oli Roos and, and the Matildas. And, again, it's good for soccer. I mean, the viewing at 1.8 million is suffice to say, you know, mm. if, if everyone doesn't get the message, well, then it's really disappointing. But, um, you know, we as a club are staying strong. Um, we're, a, you know, a very, very strong unit. And um, we'll do all the best we can to host midweek games, whatever we need to do to, to help complete the season. I'm sure everybody will jump on board. And Eric may, may also understand that, um, you know, he's also pushing to, to make sure we complete our season, which is great. And just, just on that one there, uh, Mark, just, I, I mean, I've got my opinions. I mentioned it to Donchi earlier on on what, what I believe could happen. Uh, obviously, the Football Federation are in a... Uh, damned if they do, damned if they don't state at the moment because Correct. they can't come out and literally, you know, I spoke Correct. to them on this afternoon to try and get an update on where, where Football Federation is and um, they can't plan. They, they they just can't plan. They mm. can't give any ideas of where football, no. think football was going. How do you think it could, the, the season could, could finish? Could we potentially um, have a situation where in state league football, just the seniors complete their season because that's where promotion and relegation is is won or lost um and and the same for probably the mpl sides um and then perhaps as you say you know maybe maybe not for for uh, reserve team football but certainly for junior community football as you said a number of gala days um around the around the traps would that work would that help football federation in in uh, uh facilitating the, the the rest of the season because it's going to be very hard for them, isn't it? Uh, look, it is. And again, we as clubs need to help them. I mean, look, it's a difficult question for me to answer that. The reason why I say is my reserves are going really well as well. Yeah. And, you know, most people think um, your reserve team isn't acknowledged or supported in the same manner as our senior team. But let me tell you, again, you know, we do get what they're doing and we understand that they're breeding footballers for our football club and is also giving people that just aren't, you know, really good enough to make that senior ch a chance to, to play the game. So, and again, from us, it's also a difficult decision because Football Victoria would obviously understand that it's a massive decision on behalf of George Cross alone, that if we were to be elevated into NPL through promotion, that it, all, it would change the whole aspect of our football club. So, um, you know, when you sit back and you think about it, the, the only choice we all have is to stick together, understand that we need to work with Football Victoria we need to give everybody a chance to play what we wanted to play this year. Um, you can see that the AFL produced a bubble, but look, I don't know how the vaccination system will work, but if that means that we've got to get where we need to get, we all need to get vaccinated. And I mean, that's a very, very political statement, but I don't mean it in that way. I'm just, um, you know, sick of being at home. Yeah.
we've got some really good questions and got some really, really good comments coming through the um, comment section. Carayo Soccer Club President Mario Gregorio says there will be promotion due to increase of teams in MPL 2 and 3. <clears throat> the season will be completed one way or another. Uh, Jeff yes. West has an interesting question for you, um, uh, Mark. He says, do you think this season will have promotion? If not, how will, how will Georgies adapt to having three attempts at State 1 having to do, do it all over again? Obviously, a hypothetical question, but um, he poses mm. a good thing, and, and he goes on to make uh, make a point. Football Victoria need to make sure promotion is done in some capacity. No questions asked. Um, well, have you been speaking to the other club presidents in State One? What's their feeling? What's their thoughts? Um, no, not, look, no, look. I haven't reached out to anybody. I mean, this is all just very new again to us. I mean, it was easy after the first sort of lockdown this year that we could extend the season, and I think everyone was on board with that. So, um, and then it happens again. So, look, you know, if we don't, if there's no promotion, it'd be extremely disappointing. I think we've shown uh, the football world in Australia, especially, that um, you can change a football club by engaging with everybody. Um, I think if you set your dreams and your ambitions high and then build a team around it to actually see how it can be executed, I think George Cross has shown that as well. Yeah. I think if it means that we have to try again next year, it'll be extremely disappointing. And I think, you know, mm. it's not really something I wish to discuss, to be quite frank, but, um, you know, that's how disappointed I would be. I mean, yeah. mate, I'd... You know, we we work extremely hard. We've come up with a model that we think can work and we put a lot of effort into it. We've had a lot of buy-ins from everybody, from juniors, females, girls, boys, fans, football out west people. I think you think about what we've been able to manage to do with the help of people and an understanding that this is for football, then I think you see why it'd be very disappointing if we weren't able to be elevated. So, I mean, I think I'd, I'll leave it at that. I mean, I think it's important for the kids to understand that they're here for the long term and not the short term. And by being long term, for me, it's um, get promoted, stamp our name and then go for B-League. So that's yep. what we, you know, and again, COVID isn't helping it. You know, there's a lot of talk about B-League, which is great. But, you know, COVID's put a real spanner in that at the moment because you need to fund it and then how do you fund it? So I think, you know, George Cross has got a model that works, but we can't be the only club and we certainly can't share our knowledge with other clubs in understanding how we can do this so that we actually get the game where it needs to be. I mean, I heard all what you were talking about precursor to me coming on and, you know, some people just need to understand that we need to support the game and it's including mm. the government and local governments and I think the more we promote ourselves as successful businesses and successful football clubs and a really successful community, I think you'll understand mm. what's important. So, yeah, good point. Steve? Yeah, um, just with that, you mentioned the the B-League or the National Second Division there, Mark, um, and we know that the new calendar came out in the last uh, week or so from um, regarding the, the, P, the Professional Football Leagues Australia. Mm. Um, mm. Do, do you know any more about that um, place placeholder yeah, um, idea? Is, is that looking like to be like a, a pre-season sort of thing? So I think it was listed as being in, in like February. Look, I haven't heard anything yet. And look, you know, um, Nick's team at the WAFC are doing a great job. Uh, Nick's got his team all um, very much across everything at the moment, which is great. I think inevitably 
the difficulty of this is executing it from a financial situation. I don't think you'll have any problem about clubs becoming semi-professional because I think there's a number of clubs that are semi-professional already and which one of them is George Cross. But understand that we, we need to be able to have a promotion relegation system with A-League, which is going to be another difficult argument. So it's how this is all. You think about what the A-Leagues have paid for their licences you certainly can't you certainly can't go down that path heavily from a national second division um so it's going to be a very interesting conversation but the fact that james johnson chris nickow uh, peter philopolis and a number of the the people that are involved with this uh they're football people and they understand what needs to happen um and again we as fans and as supporters of the game need to help them. We need to show support and we need to give them the, the, the understanding that we're there to support them. And I think, you know, George Cross has a business model that we use and, and promote our business, which is George's on Vista to be able to, you know, build an income base that puts our club in the right position. And I would be very disappointed if we weren't one of the clubs that would be looked at and understanding from a criteria point that we tick all our boxes and, only do we tick that through um, uh, FFA, but we're also a fully five-star club. So, again, I think, if anything, we believe we can sustain the, the financial um, implications to the club. Um, we, our business is growing. I think we're making a, you know, a strong stand and about our culture as well, which is really important. Mm. And I think just from that combination of, of being able to promote within your club the business that uh, George Cross owns in George's Investor is a great income base for us to build this club and move it on and, and really try and get to the top of football uh, through the support of our fans and our members and all of our junior programs. I mean, most presidents come on would say the same thing, but yeah. we're, you know, you've got to understand where George Cross was. There are many people, many, 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 many people stuck by that club while we were at Chaplin. And it wasn't the fact that Chaplin's facilities deteriorated. It was the fact that they believed they had a club. And the fact that, um, you know, we can show the football community that we can strive to be at the top. And, yes, thanks to the council and thanks to all of our, you know, our supporters and our sponsors. You know, you've got Malaga Real Estate who's stuck with us. His mum sits on the board. Um, you know, there's so many important relationships and so much to our business that, involves so many people and it's like again i keep saying it's programs like this and questions from yourselves that gives us the ability to promote our club and show to the soccer people that we can do this just so, support it yeah just quickly mark i mean george cross since moving to caroline springs has not only just uh, become a first class football club with first class football facilities but it's also a real community institution the georgies on vista as you said speaking of which is is that still running through the lockdown at the moment for takeaway meals and stuff like that no unfortunately it's not we chose not to do it it's it's costly and, and look now that the casuals can apply for help in regards to um, the, the payments that are due to them through the lockdown is great. So just, again, keeps them engaged. I mean, like I said previously, the first lockdown was really sad because we weren't able to get them on JobKeeper, but uh, moving forward, there's been a number of changes. So, and, you know, a, a testament to the staff, Tonchi, it's a really, really great family, happy environment. And, mm. you know, Josh and his team are doing a great job and Randy's cooking is nothing but the best. And we are making inroads into that market. 
and it's yeah. and it's an important part of our club and it's a way we bring people together and it's the way we can talk and it's the way i can get around and meet all the people and same with lisa darren and and lewis who runs the canteen and you know leanne who's a treasurer and she you know it's, we all get we all get the ability to share dinner with our like with, with the people and yeah. it's a real real club atmosphere so no unfortunately we're not we're not open but i uh, went there today and just had a quick look and all is good western united were training so that's all good um yeah and i was looking forward to tonight and really enjoying it but uh, really looking to see what the national second division does for this uh, football community so oh, it's really it's important I think it's exciting times ahead. Craig, you had Yeah, well, just before, we'll, we'll try and get Nick on over the next uh, couple of weeks as well, Mark, and uh, and see if we can get some uh, some further info from from him on where, where everybody is. But just going back to the Georges there, and he spoke about getting the uh, the local... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. That's a COVID cough. <clears throat> um, getting the local involved in the club and the guy in the canteen there do. I had the... Uh, um, the pleasure of joining you guys up there for the Euro finals uh, very early mm. in the morning, where there was a um, a full cock breakfast going on and um, some stupid drinks from your technical <laughs> eleven shots at six a.m. right or something was it? Shots at six o'clock in the morning, but that was a uh, that was a great atmosphere. You know, it was it was uh, rammed in there. Everybody having a good atmosphere, except for you. Oh uh, yeah, look, you know, <laughs> great. You know, I. I, look, I have a good time. Unfortunately, the English weren't able to um, pull it off. That's fine. But um, you and I had a bit of banter going across a number of tables, which was great. But, um, oh, look, you know, I just, again, same with the games. I sort of switch on to um, president mode and just make sure that we're all doing what we need to do. And and there's a lot of fun. Oh, look, I, mate, for someone that hasn't been involved in football is the feeling that I get is quite amazing uh like i said i mean we signed a player like ivan franich and you know that you know that story alone is so george cross i mean it's mm-hmm. you know coming coming to play with his brother his father his mother their wives their children grandchildren oh look i mean you know he gave he's giving back to football i mean everyone would think that you know george cross are you know going miles upon miles to be able to attract a man like this but He's actually giving a lot to football and it's testament to the family, testament to him, testament to the group of people that wanted him there for the club to be able to show that we are a calibre of club that can actually invite someone like that and consider, you know, playing football for us. Oh, yes, I know his brother would have been a, you know, a huge part of that, but the fact that he can have faith and that's just another message to all our juniors and women's teams that, you know, this is an up and up. It's up. Football is up and up. Matildas, yeah. everybody. I mean, let's not forget we beat Argentina in a junior program. Okay, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It, there's there. Yes, there are challenges ahead. Yes, I agree with extending the W League, which is a, again game time is very important. Mm-hmm. I'm learning that. I'm learning a lot about football whilst I'm playing this role as president of such a wonderful club, and the mm-hmm. fact that you know again Ivan just ticks it off for us, and he had his debut game and. We were able to entertain a number of people at our club, which was great. Um, Lisa looks out of every aspect of the business and we were, because George's on Vista is a licensed venue, we were able to have 100 inside and 300 outside all dining. So, again, we look, we look outside the box and we're able to put back into the football club 
Mm. Um, it costs a lot of money to run this football club and um, you know we're about to do our business plan moving forward and um, yeah you never know uh, we obviously have our AGM and then another term uh, people that want to put their hand up will have the ability to do that and again you know hopefully um, again the club again moves on no one stops yes. no one stops the so. No, no, this is just a mere small um, road bump, if you like, on the on the highway to, um, you know, taking the game to a level that we've never been to. And, and that it, look, it is certainly going to be an exciting time over the next couple of years. George Cross getting in the NPL in Victoria. Uh, the, uh, obviously, the, 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 the Matildas hosting the World Cup in a few years' time and, indeed, the National Second Division, certainly uh, as far as the, the sport is concerned, I sincerely believe that we've got a very, very bright future. Mark, thank you very much for joining us on thank the program. You. Just before you go, just before you go, sorry, Tonch. Big shout out to Peter Couchy there up at uh, up at George's. He's put in the comments. Uh, Chris, I believe Chaplin was a palace until <laughs> at City City Vista. Yeah, really got to put that up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Again, Mark. Thank you, yep. guys. Really appreciate. It. Have a really happy lockdown. <laughs> uh, whatever. Someone actually said we love your love your positive outlook on everything that we absolutely do. Mark, thank you very much for joining us on the Football Out West show. Thanks, Mark. Go bombers. Thanks, Mark. Go bombers. Go the bombers. <laughs> thank you. That was Mark Sultana, the president, and a very colourful one indeed from the George Cross Football Club. Now, we're going to bring our next guest on. We are running a little bit over time, ladies and gentlemen, but it's certainly well worth the wait. Our, uh, our next guest is going to be um, um, a man who's been really, really interesting um, and for, for many reasons, but he's also the um, the coach of the under-14 team. And whoopsie-daisy, um, and we'll just get um, Sasha to just uh, um, mute that little background noise. He's going to come on very, very shortly. It is our guest indeed, our next guest, Sasha Pete. The Sasha, welcome. And We've got a bit of an echo there. Hello, Sasha, are you there? That little background noise. He's going to come on very, very shortly. It Sasha. is our guest indeed, our next guest. Can you... Can you um, Put some headphones that, on. Yeah, yeah. Put some headphones on or turn that off because we're getting a little bit of a yeah, a little bit of a delay there. Hello, you there? Uh, we got we're having problems with getting no Sasha. There we go. Sasha. He's switching off his mute. Don't mute yourself. All right, Sasha, you there? He's done it again. <laughs> Unmute yourself. Don't touch anything. Oh, here Sorry, we go. now audio. Well, there he's, he's back now. Every time I unmute him, he mutes himself. Sasha, Pete, welcome to the show. How are you? Now we can't hear him. <laughs> oh, no. I, mean, I knew this was going to happen. Oh, goodness me. Sasha, can you hear us? I think he's hit the wrong button. This Hello. The, the, uh, the joys of the Zoom meeting. And yeah, it worked well. progress here it on worked, Football Out West. It worked absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 he's, he's gone off. Well, well, he's doing his it. best work there, and he's just having no luck. It's a bit yeah. unlucky. Look, unfortunately, we're going to have to uh, – he's trying to get on. Um, and um, hopefully we can get him on Let's in go for round three, two. two, one. And there he is, Sasha, Pete. How are you joining us on the show tonight? Are you there? So, apologies, gents. <laughs> so I don't know. So I, I, I have been waiting patiently, so time's out. 
So <laughs> it's probably our fault. We've been banging on for at least 20 minutes longer than we so told much. you we would be. So that tends to happen on the show sometimes. But thank you for your patience. So, tonight, no, bro. not a problem. And thanks for having me on. Now, mate, you are um, a man with um, who, who's multitasking and uh, a lot of ladies often um, accuse us gentlemen of not being able to multitask, but you are a shining example that it is possible. You are the coach of the under-14 community team, but at the same time, the coach of the under-17 NPL team there at George Cross. How did that all come about? Uh, so um, so firstly, I've got a, a strong love for football. It's my third year at George Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I also play in the third side, so shout out to all the, the <laughs> boys who play in the third side. So uh, we, we try to get out there, have a kick. Great um, stuff. So, uh, so how did that come about? So both my kids uh, play in the uh, 14 side there, and it's their third year. So uh, I came across, I was actually heavily involved at another club called Western Suburbs down the road. Yep. Um, and um, yeah, so put my hand up to, to coach that side and it's continued on. And we had a bit of a reshuffle um, with uh, Mick um, coming, going across and he's also stayed involved in the 17 NPL, um, but he's taken over the 14 side. And, and as you know, when you, you only have um, one C licensed coach assigned to each NPL side. So we needed to do a bit of a reshuffle. So I've taken the head coaching duties there it's probably been about five, six weeks now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm at the club most nights, so might as well do back-to-back sessions, eh? <laughs> Craig, yeah, one, so, one uh, NPL coach to another. Yeah, so obviously um, let's let's talk about the NPL and then perhaps, guys, you can talk about the uh, the community side. Um, obviously, NPL under-17s in League 3 Northwest, I think. Yep. Yep. Uh, how, how's it gone for, for the young lads this year? It's uh, obviously a, a, quite a competitive league. Bit of travelling up to Murray United. and Yeah, so, so, so wow. it's, that's one of the deficiencies of... I think that I think the quality in the squad uh, probably being in Division 3 uh, is probably they, they could have um, competed in uh, the, the, the second division. But, I mean, we've, we've struggled for goals. So our our whole ethos is I think the team defends really well and their work rate and work ethic is second to none. So there's a lot of talent in the squad. And so um, we what we, what we um, if we're, like most teams, if you don't score, you don't win. So that's that's been our problem all year. Um, but, you know, the, the, it's about... Um, developing uh, that, that the quality in that division. I think any sidebar, the, probably the, the, the bottom couple, can beat any other team. Um, and the difference between the first place and the last place, the one thing I'll notice that it's not that much of a gap. Um, so how, how how do you um, how do you go about your general um, week to week coaching? Because obviously, at under seventeen, is a very difficult age with school and, and everything else that's uh, that's going on in the world at the moment. How does your, your normal week look for that under-17s group? Yeah, so we have three training sessions. So I, I, I think that we're, we're moving into the performance phase of football. So I always frame it from, you know, what is the football problem? What are we trying to address? And and, and what are the things that are important? And focus on, on those uh, elements. Um, and we have one of those nights uh, being... Um, focused on the um, 
being a little bit more physical than the others. And then and then we want to get them plenty of touches on the ball, um, work on team shape defensively and offensively. And um, and our biggest problem is finishing. So I try and spend a lot of time on finishing. Um, if we can improve that, hopefully we can, you know, improve the one percenters. And that's one of the things, Sasha, they say a lot of coaches just don't spend enough time on finishing. And that is the skill that um, wins and loses games, right? Is that the case that you, from what you see in junior football? Yeah. So, so the, the, this is the, the important thing. So, um, you know, I, 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 you look at, let's say, for example, um, 17s, and I've got players who, who can hit their, the, with their orthodox foot fantastically, and then you shift them to the opposite foot. Um, and I've got, uh, players in my 14 side they can hit the ball better with their opposite foot than than maybe players in the NPL 17s. Yeah. So yeah. that's a problem, right? So that, that's yeah. that's uh, that's something that uh, not all players, but I mean, I, my expectation at 17, I don't know when you played first uh, first grade football, but um, 17, I was playing, you know, uh, reserve senior grade football, right? So I, I I expect the same thing from my boys. So be able to hit the ball with the opposite foot. Um, and how many of those players in that side can hit the ball equally with both sides of their feet? Um, and these are the things that um, when you're working with the younger age groups, you know, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, that you really need to, to drum into them that they need to spend hours and hours and hours on working both sides of their foot because the ball doesn't just bounce onto your orthodox side, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so this is essentially really important to me. And, and you know, we, we, we talk about, um, you can you can coach the mechanics of shooting, right? Um, but um, there's there are elements in the game you can't coach to have a, a nose for a goal. You can't yeah. coach um, uh, being relaxed in front of goal, right? These those are the moments that can't be coached. You can coach the mechanics of hitting a ball. Mm. And you can set up drills, yeah, yeah, and, and and then put defenders in there as well. But what you can't do is replicate game situations whereby they're going to take that exact same shot with a little bit of pressure, with you know people watching on the side, and then they're going to sky it over the bar. So these are the important things um, to work on, I think. And and if you know, I've I've interviewed many sort of top goal scoring strikers, and these are the things they talk about that they need to spend time. Working individually and like uh, players, whether you play at the back or play at the front, spending hours and the what what makes players at the highest level is not just coming to an MPL program, training three nights a week and playing, you know, a game or two of the weekend. It's the um, it's the hours, literally the hours that are spent. The one thing that I've interviewed now more than you know fifty players that have played for club and country at the highest possible level, and each one of those players say as part of their junior development, they spent hours of and hours of kicking the ball against the wall, hours taking a bag of balls and shooting against the against the target. And these are the things that make um, th that if you group players that make the highest possible level, that's what they are. And so um, I think it's important um, that players understand that. And if we can if we can learn from the play people that made it the highest possible level, um try and teach these youngsters um what what it's about and then you know it, obviously yeah. the desire to win yeah. you know at that age um i find um you know 
training's a lot better when you win. Um, yeah, yeah. So when you when you, when you drop points, uh, it's a little bit better. But dr- getting to understand that you know it's only football. I can't remember what I, you know what what the results were when I was seventeen and I played. Right. So yeah, it's about yeah. falling in love with the game that they're there yeah. to to. So I hope that's what I. Um, hope to do so part of their development there is about winning and losing as well they need to understand that winning is 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 part of the game but also is it's the mental side of what happens when you when you lose you know how do you pick yourself up for those training sessions you knowing that it's going to be slightly different to probably what it was the week before because there's elements of that you need to work on but you touched on something very quickly and i'll i will be quick with this but you mentioned their pressures Okay, um, I believe there's far, far too much pressure on our youngsters at the moment to, to 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 play. Probably not from themselves. Probably from outside influences, from parents and uh, of the like. Um, but I've never seen a professional football player ever play well when they're under pressure. Yeah. So the um, the interesting thing about uh, pressure, I think probably um, pressure is, um, I think for me self-induced um you can you can suck suck up pressure and i think there are some players that play free and the ones that are able to play free sort of bounce that pressure off um but you know i think pressure exists all the way i remember interviewing con butzianis and paul way and they said that you know the south melbourne shirt was quite heavy right but they still played at the highest possible level and played for our club and played for clubs that won NSL titles and and so pressure is always going to be there so it's a question of how much love do you have for the game as opposed to you know how much are you sucked up by that moment and I think um when you when you choose to love the game more then the outcome really doesn't matter um yeah. Now, Sasha, we're going to talk something. Um, uh, you mentioned your interviews. Now, you've got a YouTube channel there, um, yep. Sasha Pete, and you've look at some of the names that you've interviewed. I mean, just in that Abbasad, Paul Wade, um, Pablo Cardozo, Zoran Matic, Steve Yosafidis. Um, oh, the name just, and that's just the front page. Um, I mean, some incredible names John Cosmena, Kenny Murphy. Um, mate, some of these people have got incredible, well, all of these people have got incredible stories. Uh, how did you get about to doing it? It must be a real labor of love, or is this trans, you know, are you looking at writing a book or anything like that? Because you've got some incredible material there that you've, um, yeah, so it, it was in, it's interesting. So, the way, the way it sort of first bubbled up was. Um, we were in lockdown, right? So 12 months ago, we were in lockdown and it's like, okay, what do we do? And um, I I reached out to Michael Valkanis to do the first interview. And then a, a person who watches this show, Mike Long, connect me to the next couple of guests. So he enabled me to connect into the next couple of people. And then it's just sort of snowballed from there. Mm. Um, and um, interview the likes of Rally Rasich, who... You know, R- Rally calls me once a month just to say, hello, young man, how are you? And it's it's honestly, and, and you're on the phone for an hour later, right? And that's yeah. once a month. Wow. And so you start building friendships with these people and, you know, Alan Davidson, you know, go to lunch and Gary Cole, go to lunch and, and Andrew Zinni. So 
Is that a labour of love? Absolutely not. It's payment enough just to speak to these great people who have represented our country and have, and know so much. So I, I love football. So I yeah. love. I'll speak to anyone about football. So who better to speak with than the likes of, um, you know, I, I just uh, about the, that's about to come out, Andy Pascalides, who oh Pascalides, yeah. So well, he's been, very entertaining. <laughs> very entertaining. Um, and you know, you become Facebook friends with these people. Um, and you have conversations, and who better? So, for example, um, uh, someone I interviewed, Harry Bingham, and he said, "Listen, Sasha, I'm, I'm down. Um, I'm going to be um, going to my daughter's uh, in-law's house, and they're up at East Kilo. I'm going to come and take a session at your club." Okay, someone who's coached um, countries that have had work World Cup qualifiers, been technical director of football Queensland, can they come take your session? All these things we need to learn from each other. We need to share. So yeah. absolutely not a. Uh, um, uh, it, it's not a. It's, it's not a, a difficult task. It's a passion. No, no, no. Yeah, it's absolutely. it's really easy. It yeah. comes naturally to me. Yeah. Now, mate, we're going to have to let you go. Unfortunately, we're really, really running behind. But uh, that YouTube Cheers, channel, lads. Sasha Pete, um, very like hours and hours of entertaining interviews. No, what a better time now than um, during lockdown. To not you know just to, to jump on there and, and taking some of those interviews so keep them coming mate we look forward to uh, even a lot more um interviews and thank you for joining us on this special caroline springs george cross thing show of episodes. go george good idea he have the good work sasha pete from the um caroline springs george cross uh, gents, we've got a lot to get through. Um, in the green room, we've got our main guest, the ex-Socceroo legend, Ivan Franic, who's about to come in and join us. So we're going to take a quick break, guys. Um, but it has been a brilliant show before we take that break. Craig, it's been a phenomenal show. Uh, Mark had a lot to say. The interviews, uh, the, the news, uh, the items, as well as um, Sasha had a lot to say as well. Yeah, it always is when we do the Georges. We always get a good crowd in. Uh, mm. question, the questions and the comments are always good. But uh, yeah, really looking forward now to uh, to uh, to speaking to our uh, to Ivan and uh, f just finding out a little bit more about him uh, and his football journey that's brought him to City Visitor. Don't go away, folks. You're tuning in to episode 67 of the Football Outwear Show. Um, on the other side of the break, former Socceroo legend and now George Cross, uh, new, new George Cross recruit. Um, Ivan Franic joining us. For the best in authentic Maltese cuisine? Then you need to dine at Georgie's on Vista. Situated in the heart of Fraser Eyes, you can't go wrong when it comes to family dining. We have a menu for mum and dad, one for the kids, and one for seniors. Everyone's taken care of. Don't miss our specialty nights. Tuesday night is Palmer night where you get to choose from not one, but five different Palmers. Wednesday night, kids eat free with every paying adult meal. Thursday night is members night, where members get the chance to win some great prizes. And Friday night, join us for happy hour between 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Jim, Johnny, Jack, and their little brother Schooner are only $5 each. Looking to get an early start Friday afternoon for a punt? Our sports bar with TAB is open from 3pm Friday afternoons. To book your table, email info at georgiesonvista.com.au. Bring the family and come dine at Georgie's on Vista. 46 City Vista Court, Fraser Eyes, Plumpton.
Welcome back to the Football Out West show. It is episode 67. And um, joining us right on our, as, as our next guest, he is the ex-Socceroo star of, um, of the Caroline Springs, George Cross. And he's uh, joining us. There he is. Ivan Franic. Ivan, how are you? Nice to uh, nice to have your um, acquaintance on our show tonight. Good evening, guys. I'm well in yourselves. Very good. Very thank well, you. thanks. Very good. Oh, no. Can you just move the camera a little bit towards your head? <laughs> oh, we're going to have to do it just that like works. that. that yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to, we're just going to have to do that. Then we'll just have to alter. Now, Ivan, um, mate, you've had a have had a very very successful career. Um, started in the western suburbs. You've joined. You've hooked up with your brother uh, Joey now at George Cross. But let's go to the start um, when you first started playing. Where did you start, first start playing? Was it at the night Melbourne Knights or, or St Albans Saints? Uh, Knights was my junior club first, and St Albans was my first senior club. Awesome. So um, that was um, so back in the day. Um, what was the like playing at the Knights um, as a junior? How old were you when you first started playing? By the way, I think I was seven or eight. I started a bit later. Yeah, yeah. I'm just noticing we're all on a kind of like from from shortest to tallest, don't we? I'll have to move back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, up like this, yeah, it's, it's all over the shop. Yeah, Craig, over to you. We'll yeah, uh, thanks, for you, man. Good to good to speak to you, mate. Um, so obviously you've had a, a very distinguished uh, career. Um, still only thirty three. Yep. Let's get it right. Yeah, thirty-three. Um, obviously, a very distinguished c career um, here in in Australia. Obviously, had time abroad, and obviously, twenty appearances for the for the national team. Over that period of of, of you playing football, what's been your one outstanding moment that you can um, you can recollect and uh, and 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 let us know? I think I'm fortunate enough to have a fair few with the silverware of one, so it's always hard to pick one. But I think if you're going to say one, you'll be at the World Cup representing Australia. You always say as a kid, you want to play the World Cup and to have that opportunity is something you're very grateful for. Um, and at that World Cup, um, Ivan, you played against some of the best teams in the world in that group that had mm -hmm. the uh, the two World Cup finalists from the previous World Cup in it. Um, what was it like playing over there and under Ange Postacoglu? Yeah, obviously, Angie's a very good uh, manager. We've seen what he's done over the last few years. And, yeah, it was, I was very grateful to be there. You're playing against some of the biggest stars. And even lead up to the game, I think we played, to lead up to the World Cup, we played South Africa and Croatia. So being Croatian, it was a big moment for me. Mm. Um, now, mate, um, talking about the international uh, career before that, I suppose, um, you, had a, you had a pretty um, illustrious career in the Victorian Premier League playing for, for Dinamo, then moving on to your childhood club, the Melbourne Knights, and then your Oakley Cannons. And then it was a jump into the A-League. Um, and you had some, you had quite a fair bit of success up at Brisbane Raw. Tell us a bit about that 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 transition from going from um, VPL, sort of semi-professional, to a fully professional, um, um, you know, um, uh, I guess, a fully professional club like the Brisbane Raw. Yeah, it was actually an interesting step because uh, I went up from Oakley Canyon straight to Brisbane and it was only a six-week injury replacement. And usually injury replacements, you have your six weeks and you go home. But obviously, Farina saw something in me that gave me another six-week injury replacement and it was followed by four weeks. 
And then after 16 weeks, I got offered a two and a half year contract, which obviously jumped at. And I think the biggest transition is just going training every day. Your body doesn't really adapt very well because you're going from two to three times a week to all of a sudden five, six. So that was probably the biggest transition going from VPL to A-League back then. Um, and then after that, Ivan, you moved over to uh, Torpedo Moscow. I'm keen to hear a little bit about your time over there in Russia. And also, is it true that it was so cold that you had to um, put plastic bags over your feet underneath your boots to um, <laughs> to go out and play and train? <laughs> yeah, Russia was obviously very difficult. After the World Cup, I had a surgery on my adductor, so it took me a lot, lot longer to get back than usual. But that's part of football. And yes, it is true. We had to put plastic bags and put tape around it to keep our feet warm. <laughs> Because we're training on the snow. snow. Oh my god! <laughs> and what was that like playing in in Moscow with uh, obviously the uh, uh, the um, the oh, different languages and, and and things? Now, obviously, we know that football's a, a global game now. And uh, back back then, uh, they would have had some Europeans uh, playing in that. But how difficult was it to adapt to to playing in 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 Russia? I think it was uh, very difficult going from Brisbane humidity, where it's like 30, 35 degrees, to <laughs> all of a sudden playing in minus one. But I think, you know, when a player transfers across, you need a good six to 12 months to adapt to the league, especially coming from uh, humidity into the cold. So mm. that was really the thing I found difficult. But slowly as the time went on, you felt like you were adapting. But obviously our club had a few difficulties over that season where players weren't getting paid and it was cut short after 10 months. Did, well. you, end up, did you end up learning Russian? Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's Slavic like Croatian, I guess, but completely different, and it's a Cyrillic alphabet. But um, you know, I, I know some of those Croatian players when they go there, they think it's going to be easy, but it's not. So, uh, how did you get by communication-wise? Did you speak mainly English, or did you use a bit of Croatian? Could they understand us? Oh, I understand you. I was fortunate we had a Slovenian international back then and he could speak like seven languages. Oh. <laughs> so oh. definitely have to learn with my translator. That is impressive. That is very impressive. That's what <laughs> that's that's amazing. Can you even jeez? Oh, um you, speak too. Yeah. And then, and then you came back to back to Australia and you, you hooked up um at Melbourne City and played thirty-nine games there. Um what was it like coming back home? back to your home city, because you'd been away for quite a few years after, uh, prior to that. Um, you know, how, what was the what was the feeling of being able to uh, move back into, you know, life in your hometown? It was definitely exciting. Obviously, you can play in front of family and friends every week and you're back home where you feel most comfortable. So it was definitely when I spoke to Melbourne City and we got the deal done, it was very exciting. And I was just looking forward to being a part of all my family and friends. Mm. And who was the coach? Who was the coach at Melbourne City at the time? Was it? Um, uh, yes, John Bench. John, yeah. Went yeah. To yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously you went. Uh, you had a, a bit of a stint after the Melbourne City uh, 2017. You headed off to uh, was it Korea? Yep. Yep. Um, um, only two appearances there for uh, Daegu FC. Uh, again, we talk about Russia being diff different. How different was uh, was playing in Korea for you? I think Korea was a lot easier to go than Russia, but obviously after two games, I broke down. Yeah. I think from like after the World Cup for a few years, I had a very bad period with injuries and I just couldn't get on top of them at one stage. But no, I found the transition a lot easier because it was more similar to Australian football, but just obviously injuries cut it short and yeah. 
And how did you find the, um, obviously the Asians, uh, we, we talk about it quite a lot, don't we, about how technically good and, and adapt they are. Um, we talk about the Japanese in particular being very, uh, very technical football. Was it the same in, in, in Korea? Yeah, definitely. I remember my first possession, these guys would just start bopping it around and I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, you, tend, you tend to adapt in that and you just see, I think Asians, you know, they always have that problem of not finishing in front of goal. Because besides that, they got everything else to the game. They're technically mm. unbelievable players. And, yeah. and from a, from a, from an Australian point of view, sorry, Steve, uh, from an Australian uh, Australian point of view, is this something that we could be learning from those Asian teams? Because obviously, we look at the Asian Cup and um, et cetera, et cetera. Is this something that you think that that's something that we could be working on from a, a lot earlier age? I think definitely. You know, I think they got their junior set up set up very well there. But it's you know it's obviously a hard question because then when it comes to senior setup, Australia yeah. tends to beat South Korea. So it's like you know maybe we can learn a lot from them. I think we definitely can. But then maybe they can learn something of of us in the senior teams. Mm. Yeah. And speaking of beating South Korea, can you take us back to that 2015 Asian Cup on Australian soil? Um, it was such a great moment for Australian football. We maybe haven't kicked on as a national uh, team since then as much as we hoped we might have, but it was a fantastic moment. I was there at the uh, the game in um, Sydney for the final when we did get that extra time win. What was it like as a player to be involved in that? Because it was certainly exciting as a fan. Yeah, it was definitely. I think I remember from the first game in that tournament, we went 1-0 down to Q8. Our own fans were booing us at Amy Park. You know, obviously we didn't have the best lead into the Asian Cup, but after that mm. we just got on a roll. We're unstoppable, and obviously, you know, Japan's always been our hardest opponent. And when they got knocked out in the semis, you know, it was a good run for us to go to the final and win it. And obviously, there were seventy-six thousand fans at ANZ Stadium on the final. It's just amazing atmosphere. And even when we went uh, into extra time. You looked at us Australians, we were all standing tall and the Koreans were dead. So we just mm -hmm. knew we were going to win that day. You must have been a fit squad going into that tournament. Because obviously it was played in January. It was quite hot. I remember the group game at Suncorp. It was so hot that night. It was insanely um, hot for you know both teams. But um, the fitness of the squad must have been, the preparation must have been very full on leading into that. No, definitely. I think most of us players were playing at our clubs, which helps a lot. And you know, we're just going to the tournament peaking and, I think we had a good 15 days or could be a bit longer to prepare for that one. So that helped a lot, especially with Andrew's training and Craig Duncan there as the uh, head of science and conditioning. So, yeah, we're very ready for that tournament. Didn't it go into extra time, uh, if, if I remember? Mm. Was it extra yeah, time? It yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I can remember watching that at, the, at my local club when I was coaching. And uh, I remember going to the club and watching that and I everybody was just dead on their feet in the last sort of 10 minutes of that game. It was, well, certainly Korea were, um, and, and and that's not something you sort of expect from the Korean side. But, um, uh, yeah, fantastic achievement. Now, Ivan, yeah, we, we've we talked early in the program about what the Matildas need to do in the next couple of years to, to remain at the top and to be very successful at the World Cup coming up in 2023. Mate, you've had a lot of – you've had exposure at Europe. You've had exposure in, in, in Asia and obviously with the Asian Cup as well and at, at international level. And, and you've done um, the rounds at, at several clubs here in, in, in domestically. What, do, what does Australian football – or, or let's say the Socceroos, what do the Socceroos need to do in order to improve our international standing in the Asian area? Because we're seeing a lot of countries are investing millions and millions and billions of dollars into the infrastructures 
and what you're not. What what do we need to do to keep being at the top? Obviously, you know, you, you talk about them spending a lot of money and over there it's number one or two sports. We're here, mm. it's probably, if we're being realistic, it's number four. And I don't think as much money and time and, you know, ground availability, we can go on all day what's available, what's not. But I think that's one of the key factors. You know, I'm sure if we're number one sports in Australia, we'll be doing well at World Cups, probably making quarterfinals, semifinals, and a lot more players are probably playing in the English Premier League. So I think it just, you know, goes back to us being where we are, football in Australia. We're nowhere near the top sport, and we probably never will be if we're being realistic. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, it comes down to funding and, you know, junior setup. I think we just need to, you know, have our own plan and stick to it and go, this is a 10-year plan, a 15-year plan, mm. and start working towards that now. You know, we just can't expect instant success all of a sudden. Every other country's had a plan, and we need to follow our own plan. And we've spoken about that enough on, on this show, haven't we? We have, Tom? haven't we? I was going to say. And having, you know, having an identity. I think that's yeah. the thing, you know, having Australia having a, an identity, not trying to follow what's good in Croatia or what's good in Holland, yeah. because that's a different country. It's a different... Different people, different culture. It's not Australia. So, you know, we have to, here in Australia, and I class myself Australia now, I've been here nine years, we have to start building towards having our own culture, you know, that's going to set up the next generation and the generation after that of young Socceroos. We've already seen, you know, what's happening with the, the Olyroos in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the, the Olympics, you know, what quality we have coming through the system. You know, so it's there. It just needs to be nurtured and we have a plan for this is what it's going to look like for the next 10 years, which I think Football Federation are starting to uh, starting to understand that and putting things in place for that. Would I be right? No, definitely. Obviously, you've seen a lot of improvement over the last few years. And I think our biggest problem is we don't really have a number 10 or a striker in their positions that win you games. Besides McLaren, I think every other top goal scorer has been uh, international. Mm. You know, so because I know Australians who go overseas physically, where we can compete with them, you know, we're always got that uh, never give up attitude in Australia, and it helps a lot overseas. But I think we're just missing the killer instinct. Yeah, for killer sure. Instinct. Given that's, the... that's a good, yeah. good point. Yeah. And we talked earlier on, just uh, going back to what we spoke about at the start of the season, about the young lad that's just signed for Western United in uh, Boric. Um, you know, is, 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 is he the future of, of, of you know, he's not, he's not there yet. He's, what, 18, 19 years old? Um, but do we need to be giving that kid more experience? And just from your point of view, is it a good, is it a good move for him coming back to play in the A-League under John at, uh, at Western United rather than being in Europe and playing in those uh, tougher leagues? What's your what's your opinion on that? Yeah, it's obviously a hard one. You can always go either way, but I think coming with John Aloisi, he's a striker himself and he's played at the top leagues overseas, so he will help him a lot in uh, finishing in that. And I think, you know, for young kids, it's about uh, being smart with him as well. Mm. You, you always saw when, like, I know I'm talking about a big name here, Alex Ferguson, when he had young boys coming through, he would give him a game or two, pull them out for a game or two, bring them off the bench, always keep them hungry. Where here, I feel if a young boy does well for one game, uh, we keep him in for five, six, and expect him to have that same game that he had the first time. Mm -hmm. Maybe if we can take him out a game or two and then put him back in a game later, you know, it gives him his hunger back and he'll mm. work harder. 
where here when you put them in early and keep playing them, you tend to see sometimes they lose their hunger. They think they've made it already. Well, we uh, we spoke earlier on about actually one of your your ex colleagues uh, last season at Macarthur in Dennis Yonru, uh, who's uh, who's obviously at Melbourne City as a as a youngster has has obviously gone to Macarthur, done very well, and and has just earned himself a move over to uh, Toulouse in France. Um, what's your what's your expectations of of, of Denny having been uh, around him on a on a daily basis at Macarthur? Yeah, Denny's a very good player, and he's got a uh, he always wants to win attitude, so that's a big positive and. You can see he was improving every day and obviously had a full season, which helped him a lot develop as a player. And he's made his Socceroos debut, so I think it's been a dream year for him. But obviously, he just can't rest on his moral. Now that he's over, he has to work even harder and, mm. you know, probably won't get a chance for maybe a month or two. Hopefully, he does. Mm. But when he gets his chance, he has to make sure he's ready. Tell us a bit about MacArthur, MacArthur FC. Um, must have been really exciting being part of a new club. I know we've seen it here with Western United and and being part of something new of history in the making. But, um, you know, Ante Milicic is, is a renowned coach. He was a, um, and we've had uh, Ivan Jolic as well, who's, a, who's another Western um, Victorian boy on this show as well. And he's, he was involved in the coaching um uh, set up there. What was it like going up to Sydney and being part of basically history in the making? No, it was definitely very exciting. You know, whenever you enter a new club, it's always unknown. You don't know what you're entering. But I think the whole, uh, the owners, the staff, everyone done an amazing job to get that club up and running. And obviously, we had a nice home stadium. We had nice. a, you know, pretty good training venue. So they've done very well. And you know, obviously, we made finals per season. Could we have finished higher? You know, maybe, maybe not. But we had a great squad and, you know, we made the semi, which was probably a big achievement. Mm. And it must have been good playing in front of the cowbells as well. (laughs) (laughs) Was was that fun or was that irritating or was it actually, you know, did it motivate you guys on the pitch? (laughs) To be fair, when you're playing, you don't really focus on that. You just hear it here and there if the ball goes out or... Yeah. So we don't really hear as much on the pitch, but I remember <laughs> when I was in the stands, you're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously your um, your career now within the uh, the A League has uh, has has come to a, a, a stop at the moment because you, you've obviously recently signed with uh, with George's. Tell us how that came about because I think all our listeners will be really intrigued as to how it came about. Obviously, your brother uh, brother Joey is there. Um, how how did that whole come about, and um, how are you finding your first uh, few weeks at the club? No, obviously, you know, something me and Joey was on to do, we wanted to play together, and you know, uh, it's something we spoke about for a long time. And you know, obviously, I'm 34 very shortly, not getting any younger, and you know, I still wanted to be at a good level when I can play for my brother, so we can win something together. It's always been a dream of ours, and obviously, I've known Eckers from back in the day and we spoke and obviously they got a good setup there you're playing on a good pitch they're an ambitious club and you know just suited all the criteria and joey being there helped it over the line and what was the debut like for georgies as well did you line up at your usual right back position and did any, any of your opponents um ask for your autograph <laughs> no no i played at our left wing so no it was good obviously it's disappointing no crowd was allowed in yeah, but yeah. the club did as much as they could to open up the restaurant and try to let as many people come through. But, you know, obviously, it was one game I had to wait 30 days from my last professional games before I was allowed to make my debut to Amateur uh-huh. League. 
which was obviously a bit disappointing. But now, obviously, COVID's hit, so this stop starts obviously not great as your body gets older. But we just have to deal with it and come through it together as a football community. And they're a good football inside, uh, Ivan, yeah? Who's that? Georges, they can play. Uh, definitely. You've got a lot of good players down there. Mm. I was very impressed with some of the quality of the players there. Yeah, and um, young uh, Morgan Philo, is he someone you'll take under your wing? Ooh, stay away <laughs> from that guy. He's a big boy. He's a big what? He's a big boy, big centre-back. Uh, take him with the change rooms and just give him a good slap, mate. You'll be all right. <laughs> Ivan, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully in a, in a future uh, George Cross theme show, we could also have you on again. Um, really, really enjoying um, watching your career um, develop as it has. And, and now you're in a situation where you're able to, um, you know, give something back to, to the grassroots um level as well so um it's 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 fantastic having you on board at the george cross football club wishing you and the boys all the very very best for the season ahead and there will be a season ahead we will get through it hook or by crook as they say and um certainly for all georgie's fans out there we're hoping that the crowds will be back sooner rather than later so that we can watch your your silky smooth skills on display at georgie's on vista thank you guys thank you very much thanks Ivan. all the best See you guys. Cheers, mate. Ivan Franich, former soccer legend, and um, now he is the um, George Cross Football Club. Um, there you go, left wing, left winger. He's not left a right winger. winger. Didn't yeah. see that coming. Maybe yeah. no, I think he actually something. swapped over. I think he started as a left winger and then went over to the right wing after about twenty minutes because there was a substitution. So uh, uh, I was one of the people who had some uh, some food, so I was able to watch the game go. Uh, so, wow, yeah. look at the seat saved for the important people there. Yeah, um, just hearing guys that um, Lionel Messi's fronted the press in a uh, tearful farewell. So it sounds like that departure from Barcelona is confirmed a hundred percent now. After some conjecture whether that was actually going to happen for sure or not. Yeah, well, so, listen, yeah, that's, a massive, that's massive news, massive isn't it? In news. Football. Massive news yeah. in the footballing world. It doesn't really get any bigger than that. I mean, football no. at West, this is pretty big. We've got some big news-breaking stories, but that is as big as it gets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, just hopefully... And there, uh, Tonch, just before, sorry, you go yeah. on. What a uh, uh, nice young man he is, a young man. He's uh, yeah. 33, but nice down-to-earth guy. Um, you know, there will always be questions and people ask how the hell have, you know, has Ivan Franic gone to, got, gone to George Cross. But, you know, you have to look at his experience and, and, and how and what that'll do for the football club. You know, the youngsters around the club, as Mark said earlier on, if you're a 16, 17-year-old boy and you've got, you know, an ex-Socceroo with 20 caps and over 230 league appearances um, playing, um, you know, that's that's surely got to be a lift for all the young kids coming through. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, no, he's joining his brother Joey and um, family affair there. Now, all, all yeah. Mark, Mark Sultana needs to do is uh, draft um, the, the Franich's father, Frankie, um, into the mould. He's uh, he's a, He was at the Melbourne Knights. He was always a very, very good MC. So for any function, any event, Frankie Franich Sr. was always there on hand. Big shout-out to Frankie, Sanya, uh, the parents of, of Ivan. Um, gents, what a great show that was. We're going to have to wind it up. Next week's going to be even bigger and better. It's going to be a, a, a European affair. We will be talking um, all about European football, and we'll have some really incredible guests lined up all throughout the um, uh, and all throughout the week. We'll be able to uh, announce that. Craig, looking forward to that, gents. 
I'm not going to say stay safe. I'm going to say stay sane because yeah, what could it. possibly happen? What you, you're going to, you know, fall off a ladder while you're cleaning the gutters out, or you're going to get your hands oh, stuck in the dishwasher? Don't, don't do anything silly. Don't do, don't anything. do anything. Don't silly. take any risks. Just take no. care of yourself. We might start an FPL league, perhaps, maybe for our fans. Yeah, maybe get the. Ooh, what do you reckon? What I do you saw, reckon? Um, I saw Steve in the comments. Back, Steve. What do you reckon? Sorry, mate. What about the, about the quiz? What do we, we should get the quiz back? Oh, I don't know FPL Fantasy Football League. Now, just one more thing before we do go, guys. Just for those um, coaches that want to um, get a certificate. We talk about coaching all the time and there's not enough coaching qualific- uh, courses yeah. available. Uh, there's actually a game training certificate um, down at North Geelong from mid-October for any coaches that want to get involved in in football and want to um, want to gain uh, a bit more knowledge. Um, it's a three, four-hour sessions. I think they're going to take place on a Monday evening uh, from mid-October. Um, that's going to be on play, um, on play football tomorrow for anybody that wants to uh, wants to register and uh, and get down and uh, and get some the game training certificate. Might have to and, sign up. That sounds great. Yeah, it's a great idea. And look, on top of that, whenever these courses do come up. Please, folks, sign up to these courses. Do these courses because what it is is at the end of the day, they'll run it if there's a demand. If there's not a demand, um, and I know that from um, personal experience, they'll can those courses and you won't get them. People are talking about C license courses, but when Football Victoria starts offering them, then you're always struggling to get them filled up. So, yeah. Bendigo in October, I'm seeing from Jim in the comments. There you go. You can go up and see mum. Oh, yeah, you got to stay at mum's house, get right. get dinner cooked for me. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Gents, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, before we go, Steve um, and myself, we are not doing the um, Geelong Region Soccer Show tomorrow, obviously because of the lockdown. That will hopefully be back on Monday week. So join us next Sunday night for a massive, massive European aff- affair episode of the Football That We Show. Craig, good evening. Thank you very much. I'll I'll get fantasy football league set up tomorrow. Uh, I've got nothing else to do tomorrow, apparently. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I've got an RDO tomorrow. We'll have to draft a good team. There you go. That'll be up tomorrow morning. Good on you guys. Thank you very much. And and it was a brilliant show. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us tonight. It has been an absolute pleasure. Until next week, good night. Good night. Bye and stay sane.